part of my job description from the Lord is to raise up an army that doesn't back out. What we're doing is wanting to release equipment for warfare that you're able to go into situations and you're, you're going to become and you should become um, a thermostat, and not a thermometer. So you become one that shifts the atmosphere as opposed to one that conforms to the temperature of the atmosphere. Are you with me? Because many of us go into a place and we just conform to the temperature. And God is calling us to be ones that shift the temperature. So that's one of the things that we're passionate about. Uh, we're based in Manchester. The ministry is called Prayer Storm. And we uh, believe in God for prayer revolution across the body of Christ. So I'm encouraged when I see that churches like what you're doing here, you know, where you're gathering to pray, you're gathering to seek God. Listen, it's the foundation of everything God does. We're not going to outgrow prayer. We're not going to get to a place where we're sophisticated and we don't need, we don't need prayer anymore. In fact, it amazes me that today in the church, we have more technical equipment. We have more gifted communicators. We have more dancers, more singers, more preachers. But somehow with the more we have, we're having less impact. Compared to the early church, they had less gifted communicators. They had less technical equipment and internet and all that stuff. But with the less, they did more. With more, we're doing less. Something is wrong, somebody. <laughs> they gave more in prayer than we are doing. They had a more, they had a deeper revelation of the impact, the importance of prayer than we're doing. I was in Lebanon last year, and it amazed, it amazed me because um, when I was there, I got to meet some pastors. And if you understand what's been going on in Syria and all the refugees going over to Lebanon, basically the church was just in a state of trying to manage that crisis. And a lot of people were becoming Christians. A lot of Muslims were becoming Christians. And Syria and Lebanon have a history because Syria used to oppress Lebanon in some really horrible ways. And now that the Syrians are in trouble and they're coming to Lebanon, the Christians were struggling to handle the pressure. So anyway, we're speaking to these pastors and um, they were saying, you know, you know, the prayer meetings are more responded to than the church services. Now, as amazing as that is, it seems to me that in the church, no, it's okay, Nietzsche, that's good. I love the commands, don't stop. As amazing as that is, it, it, it amazes me really that we tend to only respond to prayer more in the time of crisis. When the terror attacks took place and when they've taken there in Manchester and London, then everyone's like, pray for London, pray for Manchester. On the news, oh yeah, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Without the crisis, you don't hear anyone talking about prayers on the news. But when crisis strikes, then everyone starts to pray. Now, God forbid, if a terror attack struck the UK today, next week, every church in the nation will be calling for prayer for the nation. Can you see why we have issues in the church? Because we're just reacting. It's only when problems come we react. Whereas we're supposed to be praying regardless of crisis. So I want to say to you, church, show me the man or the woman that knows how to pray fervently without crisis, and I'll show you the man or the woman that's rightly positioned to handle the crisis when it arises. We're so crisis-driven, and we pray intensely, and that's why many of us don't have strong prayer lives, because our prayer lives are just need-driven. So I'm in desperate need right now. Lord, I need you. I need you. Help me pass my exams. Heal this person. Heal my body. Lord, I need you. I need you. Lord, is this the person I'm meant to marry? I'm going to fast and pray. Show me, show me, Lord. I need. We pray intensely when we're in trouble. And then when the trouble passes, the level of intense prayer drops. 
until the next crisis. God, I need you. I need you. Oh, God, help me, help me. And then when that crisis passes, the intensity drops. So our prayer lives go like this and like this and like this and like this. So we are not constantly intense. By the way, it's okay to be intense. The only problem is you cannot be intense at 10 things at the same time. So if you're going to be intense for God, your life actually becomes narrower. And you become more focused because you cannot love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you not be intense. You can't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your emotions be disconnected. Impossible. Loving the Lord with all your heart means your emotions are engaged. Your soul, your mind is engaged. Your body is engaged. Your whole being is engaged. And if you're going to do that, you're going to be intense. Now, the way you manifest your intensity may be different to the way I manifest my intensity. I am a bit loud. Now, you may not be loud. That's okay. As long as that's your personality type, just be you and I'm going to be me. Okay? However, if you're an intense person and you're, when you get angry, your voice is raised. And when you get emotional, all that happens. But you come into the presence of God, you get excited, and all of a sudden, you're like a cold turkey. Something is wrong. Something is wrong if a football game can have more of your emotions than your God who saved you. Because if you can shout and you can be excited when your team scores, it tells me you have it in you to shout and be excited for God. So why should a football team have more of your passion? Okay, so what that means then is you have to find your authentic identity in your spirituality. In other words, your identity, who God has made you in your personality, needs to express itself through your personality. Elijah was a man of prayer. Abraham was a man of prayer. Daniel was a man of prayer, but they all prayed differently. The way Elijah prayed is different to the way Daniel prayed. It's different to the way Ezekiel prayed. It's different to the way Isaiah prayed. Because the way they prayed was based on their personalities. The way I am is based on my personality. So you have to find your personality in your spirituality and be free to express your identity, who God has made you, and not be ashamed. And if you're going to be loud, be loud. If you're going to be quiet, and that's the way you actually are. Because like my brother, when he gets excited or when he's angry, his tone is the same all the way through. If that is you, that's great. Just be you. Okay? But don't be intimidated by me being me. And I'm not going to be intimidated by you being you. Let me do me and you do you. <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> I didn't plan to do this, but I'm going to do this right now. Is this, this is a keyboard right now. Okay. Oh, yeah, great. Now, this is a keyboard, right? You see, um, that's a chord right there. What makes a chord unique is the fact that there are different notes in that chord, right? This is the C note, and this is the E note, and this is the G note, right? The C note by itself does not sound as good as when you play with the E note and the G note, but they're all different. Now, the E note is not trying to be like the C note. The E note is confident in its own identity. So the E note is happy to be E. The E note is not trying to be a G, a G note or a C note. So because the E note is happy to be E, when you play with a C that's happy to be C, they sound good together. Because they're both confident in their own identity. And then you add the G to that, and the G is confident in its own identity. So together, they make a good sound. Welcome to what the church is meant to be like. 
You are meant to be you, and I am meant to be me, and we are meant to release our sounds before God in worship, in prayer. We don't, we don't all have to look the same, but we have to appreciate our diversity, okay? So we're not trying to come into a place of uniformity. We're trying to come into a place of unity, which appreciates diversity. You look different to me. I look different to you. I may pray slightly different to you. You may pray slightly different to me, but we appreciate each other, and together we make a sound. So when we come together, we become a sound, like the book of Acts, we are in one accord. We pray in one accord. Just like I played to you a chord right there. Well, we have to step into the one accord, the chord, the sound that we're meant to release in our prayers. It's meant to come forth from our own identity. Now, I don't have a clue why I went into that, but it was pretty cool. <laughs> so, so God is calling you as a church in this week of prayer to embrace uh, this lifestyle of prayer that is independent of crisis. So that's why it's important you engage with this week of prayer. It's important you engage with anything prayer. Because you, what I find is, it's kind of like you learn to pray by praying. And you grow in your prayer by being around people of prayer. If you want to be a better musician, you hang around better musicians. If you want to pray better, hang around people that pray. <laughs> okay? You need to, the, the heart for prayer is more caught than taught. You can listen to all the teachings on prayer and read all the books on prayer that you want. But until you begin to engage yourself in prayer, you're not really going to learn how to grow stronger in your own prayer life, okay? So it's so important. What I want to share with you this morning, um, I think it's, it's connected to this whole theme of prayer. However, um, the video you just watched, you know, is saying, you know, we're the army of God. We will not retreat and we will not surrender. Now, one of the concepts that is important we understand is that we as the people of God are an army, God is, God is wanting to raise up an army. Now, there are different things that describe our level of relationship with God. For example, we're the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We're soldiers in an army. We're servants. We're friends. Are you with me? They are all explaining and talking about different dimensions of our relationship with God. So, just like we're the bride of Christ, we're warriors. Actually, we are, it's like the bride of Christ is in army boots. Does that, does that make sense to you? <laughs> Boys are the bride of Christ, just like women are the sons of God. It's a concept that explains level of relationship. As the bride of Christ, we have access to his heart. As the sons of God, we have access to his power. Are you with me? As warriors, we gain territories in advance and fight. So one of the ways God sees us is we are fighters. Okay? God does not see us and expect us to be wimps. You're supposed to be a fighter just like I am supposed to be a fighter. Now, if we're going to be an army, we cannot be an army if you're not a soldier. The strength of this army is based on the strength of the soldiers in the force. It's not based on the good preaching or teaching or music. It's based on the strength and the maturity and the stamina of the people right here, right now. So you're not coming to church just to be entertained. You're coming to be trained. So what that means is Pastor Mark is not here just to preach you a nice message so that you feel good and then go the rest of your week without no Bible study or no Bible reading or no prayer time and then come next week for another nice message and then go back. No, no, no. The, the, the fivefold ministry are there to equip you and us. They're there to equip us so that we do the work of ministry. The work of ministry is not just for the pastor. 
Ephesians says, we all are supposed to do the work of ministry. Is anyone alive today? Okay, so you can't put the pressure on Pastor Mark or any other pastor for that matter to do all the work of ministry for you. Just like you can't get someone to do your worship for you. You've got to do your worship. You've got to worship God. In the same way, you have to find your voice in prayer, your spiritual maturity. So you can't put all that pressure on Pastor Mark. So if you're a nurse, if you're a student, if you're a lecturer, if you're a a bus driver, welcome to full-time ministry. (laughs) Full-time ministry is not when you get a paycheck from a church. It's not when you stand on a platform to preach. If you're a believer... Now, yeah, that's right. It's part of full-time ministry, but it's not exclusive to those on the platform. In fact, most of you will not do what I'm doing right now. Most of you will not do that. So many of you just count yourselves out. Oh, yeah, just preach me good. Make me feel good. You know, lead worship and stir me up. But you don't take on that responsibility yourself because you don't realize you're in an army. When you're in an army, there's responsibility put on you for your personal fitness. You can't be an army and not be fit. But many of us in the church are not fit. We crumble under every little fly, spiritual fly that comes at us. We crumble in tears and break down saying, God, why me? <laughs> Soldiers never have it easy. We, the early service I was talking about, we're talking about the Marines. And I got to meet a Marine for the first time. <laughs> and he looked pretty buff. <laughs> it's like, wow, it's nice to meet you. Big hands. <laughs> it's like... They don't have it easy. Because of the assignment and the calling on their lives, they go through unique, specific training that prepares them for the pressures they're going to face on the battlefield. So the first time they learn how to use their weapons is not when they're, facing, it's not when they're on the battlefield. They're familiar with their weapons. Hey, Christians, the first time you learn how to use this sword should not be when you're in crisis. <laughs> You need to learn how to use your sword. Have you seen those movies when they're getting ready for a battle and they go into some cave and they start to practice all their moves? You need to practice your sword techniques. (laughs) You need to practice your Bible sword moving. You need to know this book. If you don't know this book, you're not equipped for war. If you just come and listen to me preach and listen to me preach, but you don't hear what God's saying to you by self, you're not equipped for war. You know, it says about milk and meat. You know, we have to move on from the milk of the world to the meat of the world. The difference between the two is milk is already pre-processed food. Revelation that has been processed by someone else. But you have not gone to the source to find it yourself. So you just want to hear someone else say it, but you don't know how to go and dig for it yourself. And God is wanting to raise up an army, an army, an army. And that means we're all going to be spiritually fit. All of us, not just the pastor. That means I come to your workplace and you are ruling in that atmosphere spiritually. I mean, you're, by the grace of God, you're shifting the atmosphere. And because of you, who may be a cleaner in that place, you're carrying the most authority in the spirit realm. And because you're in that place, God is able to do certain things because you're preparing the way through your prayers your declarations and you're shifting the atmosphere that's what warriors do it's like you're an agent you are called to be like God's agent everywhere you go but you will not be able to fulfill God's assignment on your life if you're not strong spiritually and that's why I want to read the scripture to you in Ephesians 6 10 
It says this. It says, um, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing before and after. There's the context here, which talks about uh, establishing relationships. talks about relationships between parents and children and, you know, and all these things. The relationships between servants and masters and all these kind of things. Relationships being in order is absolutely crucial for effective warfare, effective battle, effective fighting. Um, after this verse, it goes and talk about the, the armor of God and then the things that we're up against, the principalities and the powers and all that stuff. And if we're called to be in an army, we can't be called to be in an army and not expect battles. So if you're only complaining, maybe you're going through battles, and instead of complaining, you need to learn how to fight. As I look across this audience, some of you have lost your fight. It's like situations have knocked out the fight out of you. So you're just on the floor like... Because <sighs> you're, just, you're just way down, just, just like, oh God, help me. And there's nothing wrong with praying, oh God, help me. But I, I feel like God is, is, is like a, a trainer that's like saying, come on, get up. <laughs> get up. Get, don't remain down, get up. It's like God's shouting at you in the spirit, get up, get up. You can do this. Because I am in you. Get up. Don't be weighed down by that betrayal. Don't be weighed down even by the sickness. Don't be weighed down by the discouragement, the seeming unanswered prayer. Do not be discouraged. Get up now. Don't be weighed down by the family breakup. Do not be weighed down. Don't remain on the floor. Get up. Get up. You're a warrior. Up, up. Get up right now. I feel like God is saying that to some of you in this place. Get up. Get up. Find your fight. Where is your fight? Get your fight on. Get your fight on. Because this is not a battle that you're just going to crumble under the pressure and expect that you're going to come out victorious. To be more than a conqueror, you have to conquer something. To be an overcomer, you have to overcome something. And oh, there's someone here. The battle you're going through is not about you. Remember the guy on the other side of the storm? Uh, 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 when Jesus got to that side and says, who are you? And these demons spoke and they said, we're legion. That guy ended up uh, being delivered. And then when he ended up being delivered, he turned around and wanted to follow Jesus. And then Jesus was like, no, you go and be a witness, you know, for me. So the Bible says he went and became a witness. And this is the words he said, it says, he became a witness for the Lord in the Decapolis. Do you know what Decapolis means? 10 cities. So this guy that was bound by demons all along, it wasn't about him as it was about the 10 cities that were in him. So you can be going through a battle right now, and you may be thinking it's all about you, but have you ever considered the fact that you are called to bring deliverance to other people? And for you to bring that deliverance, you have to come out on the other side of this battle. And if you don't win, you rob the person that's meant to encounter your testimony of their breakthrough. Basically, I owe this world the fire of God in me. I owe this world the victory of God in me. Because if I am not living in, if I'm not living a victorious life and I'm living as a wimp, as a Christian, then when I encounter the person that's meant to be delivered because of my conquering in, in battles, if I am not conquering, I rob them of that encounter. 
because I am living a place of spiritual weakness. Now, I know Jesus, I know the Bible says, you know, Paul says, you know, the Lord said to him, in my weakness, you'll be strong. No, yeah, in your weakness, I am strong. The Lord said that. If you read the context carefully, Paul was talking about a thorn in his flesh. He didn't say a thorn in his spirit. So it's okay to be weak in the flesh, but these scriptures I've just read to you says, be strong in the Lord. And it means be strong in spirit. You can be weak in your flesh, but you cannot afford to be weak in your spirit. And many Christians invest more in their flesh than they do their spirits. Okay, many of you feed your bodies three hot meals or cold meals a day, and you probably feed your spirit two cold snacks a week. One verse here, a quick sermon over here, a simple worship over here. For the whole week, you feed your spirit, you feed your body every day. Entertainment, food, 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 entertainment. It has its way, it has its way. And then your spirit only has a tiny bit of exposure to spiritual food. And you expect your spirit to be strong? It's not going to happen. You don't, you don't grow muscles by accident. Ask anyone who goes to the gym here. You don't grow muscles by just looking at the machine and wishing that the muscles get on you. And by the way, you don't grow muscles by lifting the weights once. It's the repetition. The consistency. Okay, which brings me to this point. Spiritual maturity is realized in the consistent application of elementary things. And not the occasional application of spectacular things. So you want to go to the massive conference. You want to go to the massive Christian event or the youth camp. And you're like, well, that's going to be my spiritual high. You have your spiritual high, but you don't maintain that high because there's no consistent application of elementary things. You're only attracted to the spectacular things, the Christian events, the Christian conferences, but you have no reality in here. If you're going to grow mature, you have to get good at the basics. If you want to build muscle, you have to get good at the basic weight lifting. Read your Bible and pray every day. <laughs> there are no shortcuts. Listen, there are no shortcuts to building spiritual strength. You have to get into the spiritual gym and learn how to lift the spirit, how to lift the spiritual weights. And you know how it happens? You know, in the natural, you lift the weights, and then when that weight gets comfortable, you increase the weight. Yes. And it gets heavier because you're trying to push your muscle. Yes. For some of you, that is why situations are always just stirring up. You feel like you get through that one, and then you go through this one. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some people here. The reason why you're in a mess right now is out of your disobedience. So you need to sort that out. Now, it's worth saying that. It's not every storm you go through that's from God. However, there are some storms that you go through that are from God. In that, the, God said to his disciples, Jesus said to his disciples, go over to the other side. They're going over to the other side in obedience to his word and they face a storm. So you can be in a storm while you're in the perfect will of God. So not all storms are necessarily meaning you're out of the will of God. However, there are storms that mean you're out of the will of God because you're in disobedience. That also happens. So there's a need to discern when you're going through something. Well, is this out of my disobedience or is this out of the fact that I'm doing what God's called me to do? When you're doing what God's called you to do and you're confident in that reality, you cannot just expect that it's going to be easy. Yeah. 
So when it's hard, you're like, well, maybe I miss God. Oh, maybe something's wrong with me. Oh, what's wrong with my family? Why, why is all this happening to me? I thought, God, you said I should do this. Well, if you read Paul's letters and you read the lives of the disciples, everything God asked them to do did not come easy to them. God asked Paul to preach. He got put in prison. He got beaten. He, all kinds of craziness. He wasn't complaining. He realized that was part of the package. <laughs> 21st century Christianity does not understand that part of the package is pain. Part of the package is pain. Listen to me, people. Becoming a Christian does not mean your life is going to be easy every day. You're going to go through some difficulties. You will not build spiritual muscle by going through nothing. The situation that you may be complaining about right now, potentially, could be the situation that God is trying to use to make you to grow some muscle. So why not say, God, I want to grow through this. I want to grow stronger through this. I am going to come out of this better, not bitter. I am going to be stronger, not weaker. I am coming through this. I am a warrior. Warriors don't go into battle to run back home when the battle gets difficult. Warriors have one mindset. They go into into battle and they're going to die. Either they die or they come back winners. Are you with me? People of God, we need to find our warrior spirit. Now, I'm not up yet saying these things because I am finding life easy. (laughs) The contrary is the case. (laughs) Because you cannot call an album we declare war and go through nothing. You cannot, run, you cannot run a prayer ministry that's calling people to arms to take a stand against darkness and go through nothing. So I've got my own battle scars standing on this platform and going through things right now as I stand on this platform. But I know God is saying the same thing to me. Come on, James, you cannot afford to give up. Don't allow discouragement to get in. Arise, warrior. Arise, warrior, and fight this battle. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Two things that I want to highlight to you. Be strong in the Lord talks about be strong in intimacy. Being strong in intimacy talks about your nearness and your closeness to God, your communion with him. You don't know where my intimacy is at, and I don't know where your intimacy is at. In fact, we cannot fake it out here, but we cannot, de- we cannot deceive the spirit realm. I can act like I'm okay and things are not okay spiritually. And you can act like you're okay and things are not okay spiritually. In the spirit realm, spirit beings, angels or demons can read you very easily. Yeah. Because in the spirit, nothing, you can't hide things in the spirit. It's there. You carry an atmosphere, colors and sound and all these things. I don't understand it all, but I'm telling you, spirit beings can read you easily. In the spirit realm, as they look at you, they can see where your fire is at, where your heart is at, where your compromise is at. So if you're living in all that compromise and you're out here trying to say, I rebuke you, you're kidding yourself. Okay, a bit of a tangent, but it's worth making this point. You cannot have authority over an enemy you're sleeping with. And you cannot bind what binds you. That is why you need to find your place of intimacy. Because in your place of intimacy is your freedom. From every addiction that you feel is binding you. I have not found the person that has really got intimate with God and still remained in a place of bondage. I mean really intimate with God. The people who met Jesus with one encounter, they were delivered. The lady at the well, her problem, her problem was men. She encountered Jesus, one conversation, she's delivered. You know who she goes to? The men. 
It's only Jesus that can deliver you to the point that you go back into the same situation you were bound by, but now you're a voice of deliverance. Jesus did not take you through 12-step programs. Now, nothing wrong with counseling and all these things. But I'm saying, when we really encounter Jesus, there's freedom. So I want to invite you to be strong in intimacy. And I'm telling you, intimacy is work. Intimacy does not come because you say, oh, Jesus, I love you. And then all of a sudden, you're there. In fact, many of you, you're, the reason why you're not intimate with God is because you have been intimate with other lovers all week long. And then you come into the presence of God and say, God, I love you. So there is no much depth to that. Because it's more like, this is harsh, spiritual prostitution. Your heart is not set apart to God. You're entangled with so many other lovers, yet you want to be intimate with God? He wants you to divorce all the other lovers if you're going to be intimate with him. He's saying, we have to have covenant relationship. And you can only go deep in a covenant relationship with your spouse because you took a vow on your wedding day saying, forsaking all others. That then qualifies you for deep intimacy. But many of you have not forsaken all others, yet you want to go deep in intimacy with God. It's like you're still married to the Netflix. <laughs> you're still married to the YouTube and all these weird soap operas that are out there with all kinds of filth. You're still married to all this junk. You're, and you want to go deep in intimacy with me? It's not going to happen because you're, you have other idols in your heart. And I'm not going to come closer until you slay those idols. Someone say, slay the idols. That's a word from someone today. You need to get before God and say, Father, these idols are coming down now. Oh, okay. I'm going to go somewhere right now. This is an idol for many people. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> I've been there. It's hard to be intimate with God when you're constantly looking at your tweets. And your Facebook posts, and how many people have liked this and all the comments you got? And you're trying to pray, and there's this there's this call, and then you can't really go deep. It's kind of like you're trying to be intimate with your wife, and your phone is constantly ringing. You can't really. <laughs> it's like you you have to turn off the phone if you're gonna have intimacy, right? Any married people here? <laughs> you have to turn off the phone. There is no other way to get intimate with God apart from disconnecting from all the other lovers. So we have to be strong in the Lord, one. Two, we have to be strong in the power of his might. That speaks of spiritual authority. First thing speaks of being strong in intimacy. The second thing speaks, speaks of being strong in spiritual authority. You have to know who you are in God. And you have to be able to exercise your God-given authority. See, there's a reason why Jesus said, when you pray, say. He didn't say, when you pray, think. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think prayers. However, Jesus said, when you pray. Say. Come on, somebody. When you pray. Say. Why? Because words are powerful. Yeah. Words do not have geographic limitation, and they have prophetic implication. Words carry presence. 
So it's important that your words are released. And guess what? The only offensive weapon in the, in the armor of God is what? The word of God. And how do you activate the sword? With your mouth. If you keep silent and say nothing, you're not releasing the sword, the word, and you're not slaying the enemies of God. It's out, in fact, Revelation says, out of his mouth came a double-edged sword. A sword came out of his mouth. It's a picture of the word of God in our mouth. When we speak the word, it's like that double-edged sword that's released and goes out and slays the enemy. And sometimes the word is like fire that comes out of our mouth and, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking of some, uh, Pastor Mark, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm realizing the time is gone now. <laughs> I remember I had a dream um, some, maybe a year or two ago. I don't know when now. I was speaking at a church in London. And I was saying with Pastor Mark, actually, uh, uh, that I've learned a lesson. And, you know, as you do this, you start to learn lessons. I don't go into hotel rooms to sleep without praying over the room, praying over the bed, praying, because you have to just take charge of the atmosphere. That's a whole other lesson for another time. But I remember going to this hotel room once, and I slept, and I had a dream. It was more than a dream, because it was played, the dream was in the hotel room while I was there. And this spirit being, a demonic spirit being, came into my room, and... Um, yeah, it was talking. It was a perverse spirit. It was talking to me, but was sharing with me the word of God. And I was just like, "You need to leave my room right now." And this thing wouldn't leave. And I, in my dream, I took authority over this spirit, and I said, "You, I take authority over you. You must leave now." And this spirit starts to shake violently and starts to run out. And you know what happened in my dream? I ran after this spirit in my dream. And you know what I said? And I released the fire of God against you. And you know what happened? The fire of God came out of me, hit this spirit, and it disintegrated. And I woke up. <laughs> and I like to say, I woke up a happy man. I felt like I'd accomplished something. And that night in the church, we had a bit of a revival, I must say, because I knew it was connected to that. Why am I saying that? Sometimes when you learn how to build your life on the Word of God, we're just singing, I'll build my life on the rock, on the love, and all that stuff. When you learn to build a life on the Word of God, sometimes the Word of God is not just a sword. It's like fire that comes out of your mouth. And you know what happens? When you build your spirit... I've never even, the early morning service, I got to go into Luke 180, and I'm not going to go into that this session. However, in Luke 180, it says about John being strong in spirit. When you learn to be strong in spirit, like this verse, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. When your spirit being is strong, when you go to sleep, your spirit doesn't sleep. Your spirit is winning battles while your body is sleeping. So I have been in places where my, I've been receiving attacks in the dreams, and I know it's been, it's been demonic. And many times I wake up and ask God, Father, what was the open door, and why did that have access? And many times I've known what it was, so I've rectified it. And other times I've slept, building my life on this word, while my body is sleeping, my spirit in this subconscious state is winning battles. Yes. Because there's spiritual strength so I want to say to you, you should not be the one running away from the devil. The devil should be running away from you. Yeah. <laughs> when you become strong in spirit, yes. when you become strong in intimacy and in authority, understanding who you are in God, you become like a warrior that's ready for battle. And yes, you may get knocked on the left and on the right. Like my dad always says, there's no such thing as a bloodless battle. 
and it's a wrestle. It's not a boxing match. It's a wrestle, right? So there are times where you feel like you're being pushed back, but you're a warrior. You never give up. So you're going to keep pushing. You're going to keep fighting until you win. In fact, there's no such thing as surrender in your mindset to the enemy. The only surrender you know is to God. To the degree you fear God, demons fear you. So you surrender only to God, but there's no such thing as surrender in your mindset to the enemy. Right now, you may be going through sickness. Right now, you may be going through relational challenges, even with your kids. Right now, you may be going through challenges at work. Right now, you may be going through challenges in your marriage. Listen, there is no such thing as surrender and give up. Okay, yes, I prayed, I prayed, and I didn't see a breakthrough. Well, there are many times you can see in Scripture that people prayed, and they, they didn't see the breakthrough right there and then. But a lot of stuff was going on in the spirit realm. And because they didn't give up, eventually there was a manifestation. Example, Daniel, the day he prayed, the answer was released. But the answer did not manifest that day. And only because he didn't give up, the answer was eventually manifested. Okay, I'm, I think I need to end here. And there's some of you praying about situations and you feel like you've prayed, you're not seeing the breakthrough. I want you to begin to change the way you pray. Because there are different ways we can pray. And the fact that we're praying does not mean we're hitting the target. You need to pray by revelation. The situation you're going through, you should be saying, Father, show me how to pray in this situation. What is really going on? Because you may be praying in this direction and God is like, no, no, no. You need to be praying in that direction. You need to be dealing with that thing over there. And you're over here dealing with this because you're not discerning and praying from a place of revelation. When you pray from a place of revelation, you walk in great authority to shift situations. However, the fact that you prayed does not mean the answer manifests right then and then. You have to adopt that posture of the warrior that says, I will not give up until. I'm praying until. We're contending for revival until. Until. There is no such thing as giving up. So in my mindset, I am thinking decades. I may not be here when God eventually breaks out. However, I know God has promised me in some ways about me seeing a move of his spirit in my lifetime. But even if I don't see the fullness of that manifestation, I am confident that I am sowing seeds towards the outbreak. If I don't see it, my son will see it. So there is no such thing as giving up because I am a warrior and I pray until. Everyone say, I pray, I pray. until. Prayer is an act of defiance in the face of what is, but in the name of what God has promised. There is no such thing as giving up. Do you want to stand with me, please? If you want to have that kind of stamina, you have to invest in your intimacy with God because that becomes the foundation for your authority. I don't know if I said this. You will not remain in authority if you're not rooted in intimacy. And you will not remain in intimacy if you don't exercise authority. Both go hand in hand. I feel like this morning, some of you need to find your fight again. Oh, by the way, when I say finding your fight, it doesn't necessarily mean you're always coming against the devil. 
getting in intimacy with God by itself is a form of warfare. Okay, so it's not always you're fighting and standing. Sometimes just worship is your warfare. Obedience is your warfare. But you need to find your place of intimacy. And there are times where God shows you things and you need to stand against the enemy. But whichever way God leads you, you have to be strong in spirit. You have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Right now, I want you to begin to pray. Maybe you need to lay hands on yourself. Some of you, you need to repent for disobedience. Just do that right now. Turn away from sin. Turn away from disobedience. And for some of you, what you need to do is lay hands on yourself and begin to speak to yourself like this. I arise in Jesus' name. I arise from shame. I arise from bitterness. I arise from unforgiveness. I arise from depression. I arise from distractions. I arise from discouragement. I arise as a warrior. I will be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I will be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I will be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I am strong and will be strong. I will not be a spiritual weakling. I am a strong warrior. I will not be a spiritual weakling. I am a strong warrior. I will be strong in the Lord. I will be strong in the Lord. I will be strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might, I will find the place of prayer. I will find the place of the Word. I will seek. I will find. I will know His face. I will go from glory to glory. I will be strong. I will be strong. I arise. I arise. I arise. Speak to yourself right now. Come on. Come on, warriors. Come on, warriors. Shake off discouragement. Shake off discouragement now. Break it off. Break it off. Break it off. Arise. 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 Arise, mighty warrior. Arise, mighty warriors. Arise, mighty warriors. Arise. 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 We will not be afraid. We will not be ashamed. We will not be pushed back. We arise, we arise, we arise, we arise. In Jesus' holy name, we arise. Come on, pray with me right now. Speak to yourself. You're a warrior. Speak to yourself. Come on. I just feel of the Lord to break off discouragement. So right now, just lift your hands with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, every weight of discouragement, every poison of discouragement, every seed of discouragement in the emotions, in the mind, in the body that have lodged itself in the people of God right now. Father, right now, by divine authority, we uproot it right now. We break his hold right now in Jesus' name. We remove every ounce of discouragement in every emotion, in every thought. We say, be gone, be gone, be gone, be gone now in Jesus' name. We remove discouragement, discouragement, be gone. Repeat this with me, say discouragement, be gone. Say it again, discouragement, be gone. Loose your hold in 
the name of Jesus. Now say this, say, I receive courage. I receive strength. I receive courage. I receive strength. Lift your voice and pray some more right now in the name of Jesus. Discouragement be gone, be gone, be gone. Lies of the enemy be gone. Deception be gone, be gone, be gone. I release strength, I release faith, I release life right now. Right now, right now, right now, in the name of Jesus. Strength, strength, strength in Jesus' name. I release strength, strength in the name of Jesus. Thank you for tuning in to Preston Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode. For more information and teachings, go to www.preston.org.